Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different regions, the different styles, the different grape varieties, and the history and culture associated with wine. In this episode, we're going to look at the Côte de Beaune, continuing from episode 3 where we looked at the Côte de Nuit. And so the Côte de Beaune is a continuation of the Côte d'Or, with the limestone escarpment that spreads from Dijon through the Côte de Nuit, through the Côte de Beaune, to the village of Santenay, where it finishes. And it's based around the village of Beaune, and then going south of the village of Beaune. And there's more south-facing slopes in the Côte de Beaune, making it different from the Côte de Nuit. And here the main grape is Chardonnay, and this is where the finest white wine of Burgundy is made. But there is also exceptional Pinot Noir to be had. There are also a couple of broad appellations which we'll look at before we focus on the different villages. Um, first of all, there's an appellation which is in the Côte de Nuit and the Côte de Beaune. Well, they're two different appellations, but they have the same um, standing. Haute Côte de Nuit and Haute Côte de Beaune. And these refer to the um, high vineyards at the top of the escarpment. And because they're, they're higher than the Grand Cru vineyards, the temperatures are a bit cooler, and so they don't get quite the same intensity of ripening. So the wines are good, but they don't have that intensity and concentration that the Grand Cru or the Premier Cru vineyards do more towards the middle of the slope. And then more particular to Bone is Côte de Bone Village, which is a blend of the d- different villages within the Côte de Bone, which are allowed to add wine to that appellation. And then we have Côte de Bone, which is um, from vineyards above the, above the village of Bone, so just higher, higher up. And so those can be red or white, and will be pretty good value, though not necessarily that high quality. So let's look at the different villages of uh, the Côte de Bone. And we'll start with the north and then go further south. And so we start with Alox Corton. And this is based around the hill of Corton, which is the only Grand Cru in the Côte de Beaune for Pinot Noir. And Corton, the wines are dense and closed, but very long-lived. So the wines best enjoyed when they're older rather than when they're younger. And on this hill, which is, has three sides, um, which is planted to vines, there are many different clima. So clima is the, the Burgundian word for a vineyard, really um, saying this is a vineyard with its own definition, its own um, character. And so there are many on Corton. Clos de Roy is probably the best for red wine, for Pinot Noir. Also white wine made on the hill of Corton. And Charmagne is the uh, Grand Cru for, for white wine made from Chardonnay. And Charmagne is a narrow band around the top of the hill, which is cooler because it's nearer the top, and the soils are lighter and stonier, so you get a gunfling character to uh, Coton Charmagne wines. Also planted in Charmagne, very unusually, is Pinot Blanc. But Pinot Blanc historically was planted in Burgundy, and it was also historically planted with Pinot Bureau, which is now called Pinot Gris, and Aligote. So you don't see this uh, too much in uh, Burgundy anymore. But if you want to know what these wines might have tasted like hundreds of years ago, you have to go to California, because there is a a maverick producer called Jim Clanadon who owns the winery Aubon Climat in the Santa Barbara area, established in the early 1980s. And he came up with making a Pinot Blanc, Pinot Gris and Aligote blend, based on that historic blend that was made in the Chalmagne vineyard. He wanted to call it Chalmagne, because that's the wine that was made in this vineyard historically, but of course the Burgundians wouldn't let him. So he called it Hildegard instead, who was the wife of Charlemagne. And it's a fantastic wine, really age-worthy, rich, and really shows that these grapes, overlooked in Burgundy these days, can produce very high-quality wines. 
And then below the Grand Cru vineyard, we have the Premier Cru vineyards. So it's still high quality, but just slightly lower down the slopes, not getting quite the same intensity of flavour. Going south, we go to Penon Vergales. Uh, that's the name of the village, the best vineyard. As is always the case with these Burgundian double barrel names, is Vergales, uh, particularly for the red wine, for Pinot Noir. However, these reds are quite tight because the slopes are west northwest facing, so that delays the ripening. It's not quite as open and fruity as some, some of the other Pinot Noir in the area. The whites, the best whites, are on the Penon side of Corton and can be very similar to Corton Charlemagne. And I particularly like the white wines of Penon Vergales because they really do offer a very good value for the very high quality that you're going to get from these wines. The reds can be a bit more difficult. And then we have Savigny Libon which is mostly red, but there is some white. Uh, the reds are quite agreeable and friendly. The Premier Cru vineyards are around the river that divides the village. And these again can be quite good value wines because the name of the village isn't as famous. And a lot of the price which is attached to Burgundy is all about the name of the village or the name of the vineyard. So you can find better value wines if you know your areas. Then we have the main town of Bone. And this is where the negociants are based. So, for example, Joseph Duhan, Louis Jadot, Louis Latour, or Bouchard Père Ifis. Because Bone is the biggest town in the area, and so a lot of the market activity is based in Bone. Really beautiful village with some exceptional restaurants, and a good place to base yourself if you visit Burgundy. And also, the wines are a good introduction to the area. And the best drunk, fairly young, but you have that nice fruitiness to the Pinot Noir. And also, there's an increasing amount of Chardonnay. Um, which again represents pretty good value and a good introduction to the area. 75% of the vineyards are Premier Cru, but no Grand Cru here, and the soils are a bit sandier. And then we continue south to the village of Pomard, and so we're still mainly in red wine territory here. The reds from Pomard are powerful, dark, tannic, intense, and again belie the impression of Burgundy as being a kind of a cool, approachable style of Pinot Noir. These are really intense red wines, which will age very, very well. No Grand Cru here, but a lot of Premier Cru vineyards. So on the Bone side of the village, they have Les Pezzerolles and Les Epineaux, two vineyards to look out for. Then on the Volnay side, and Volnay is the next village that we'll look at, we have more vineyards, such as Les Chanlandes or Les Fremières or Les Rugues. And Le Rugues Bas could be a Grand Cru vineyard. It has that quality, but it just doesn't have that designation. And again, this is all about knowing your area and your vineyards, because the classifications aren't necessarily kind of rock solid in their accuracy. There are some Grand Cru vineyards that probably should be Premier Cru, like we looked at yesterday with Clou de Vujo. And um, there are other Premier Cru vineyards that could be Grand Cru, such as this one, or like we looked in the last episode in Rue Saint-Georges. So then we go south to Volnay. And Volnay and Pomard neighbour each other, two villages, but produce very different styles of red wine. And Pomard, they're more powerful, and Volnay, they're more elegant and velvety. Here, 50% of the wines are Premier Cru. Again, it's Pinot Noir. And the best vineyard is Les Santineaux de Mouillet, which is the Volnay to look out for. But Volnay in, its, in itself is a very good Pinot Noir and very um, attractive. Then we go south to Merceau, and now we're in white wine territory. So Merceau is uh, one of the great villages and one of the most famous villages of the Côte de Beaune, and um, all for its white wine. Merceau, by the way, is the village that um, Albert Camus named the main character of Le Tronger 
after, so that's a bit of a literary connection too. There are no grand crew in Merceau, and again, this is something of an aberration, because the premier crew in Merceau produce some of the best white wine in, the, in Burgundy, and therefore the world. Th three particular vineyards to look out for, premier crew vineyards, Les Perrières, which produces rich Chardonnay. So the wines from Merceau are really rich and powerful white wines, really full. Les Perrières is a, a name that you'll see quite often in a vineyard in Burgundy because it refers to the stony soils, Les Perrières. Then we have Les Genevrières, which is still a rich wine but a bit more elegant, and then Les Charmes, which is powerful and forward. So you're getting really big white wines from Merceau, but will, which will age very gracefully. So all those villages are connected to each other. Just going slightly further afield, we have Saint-Aubain, which is two-thirds Pinot Noir and two-thirds Premier Cru. And the best vineyards here are southwest facing. And this produce, uh, represents good value. Again, because it's not as well known. Because the whites are quite like Pouligny Montrachet, which we'll look at in a moment, and the reds like Chassagne Montrachet, which we'll also look at in a moment. So you can get a similar style for a much lower price. And then we also have Auxi Dures, which, again, pretty good value because it's not as well known. And the reds are quite similar to Volnay, elegant. And the whites are quite similar to Musso, more powerful, more forward. Remembering, of course, that Volnay and Musso do border each other, so that's why you have the similarity in Oxy-Duress Oxy to the reds of uh, Volnay and the whites of Musso. Then, back on that track of the villages which run into each other, we have the two famous villages of Pouligny Montrachet and Chassagne Montrachet. And these two villages obviously have a very similar name. They have the Montrachet name, and that's because the great Grand Cru vineyard of Montrachet straddles the two villages. So this goes back to the 19th century when the local mayors appended the most famous vineyard in their village to the name of the village to make the village seem more prestigious. So Pellini Montrachet village wines are not necessarily that impressive, but they certainly sound impressive. But once you go into the Premier Cru, then you get into the really high quality, so going above the village to the higher slopes. And so there are 13 uh, Premier Cru in Pellini Montrachet, which are extremely um, good quality. And then there are two Grand Cru vineyards which are solely in Pellini Montrachet. Chevalier Montrachet and Bienvenue Batard Montrachet. And as I said, it shares Le Montrachet with Chassagne Montrachet, and also the, the vineyard, the Grand Cru vineyard of Batard Montrachet. So all these Montrachet vineyards are um, all connected to each other, they're all next to each other, but they're all um, split uh, with their, uh, diff their walls kind of um, providing a barrier from vineyard to vineyard. So the story of Montrachet is that Montrachet was a local nobleman who went to fight off in, fight in the Crusades um, in the 1100s, and he left his um, his lover in the in the care of a knight, a chevalier, to make sure that she was looked after. But they, of course, had an affair while he was off, and so they had a child, Badard, the bastard, and so that's why we have the name Badard Montrachet and also Chevalier Montrachet. But when the nobleman came back, although he was angry at first, he eventually welcomed the, uh, the bastard child into his family, which is why we have the name of the vineyard Bienvenue Batard Montrachet. Is there any truth to this story? No. But it's a good story that the locals like to tell. So then we go south into Chassagne Montrachet, as I said, they share Le Montrachet and Batard Montrachet, but Chassagne also has the Grand Cru Creole Batard Montrachet all to itself. 
the white wines here are grown on oolitic limestone. So oolitic limestone is a more porous, permeable form of limestone. The rest of Burgundy is mainly Jurassic limestone, which is a bit harder. And that's where the whites are grown. And the reds are in the south of the village, going into the final village of the Cote d'Or, Santenay. And the best reds here are grown in the vineyards which are connected with Chassagne and Montrachet. For example, Les Gravières and La Mal Maladière. And so Les Gravières again indicates the type of the soil that you'll find in the vineyard. Gravelly soils, Les Gravières. So all these different vineyards with their different names do have a connection to the uh, to the vineyard. There's a reason why they're called that. And it could be who owned the vineyard in the past, like Romani Conti. It could be the soils, like Les Gravières or Les Perrières. Or it could be the trees or the water that's um, in, in connection with that vineyard. So there is a meaning to all these names. And the better the French and the more knowledge of the history of the area, the more likely you are to understand those names. So Santenay is probably my favourite um, village in the Côte de Beaune. The reds are quite rustic, and I like rustic reds. Again, they usually present pretty good value because it's not as famous a village. And Les Gravières and La Maladière are definitely two vineyards to look, after, to look out for. Santenay also has some, some white wine, but it's really known for its red wine. So that's um, the Côte de Beaune, a continuation of the uh, Côte de Nuit forming the whole of the Côte d'Or. Mainly known for its white wines, but certainly some exceptional red wines as well. Well worth visiting these villages because they all just run in one into the other and you can just bike around. Unfortunately, tasting the wines is always tricky because not all these wineries will open up and let you in. If you want to do a tasting, go to Poligny Montrachet and go to Domaine Le Fleuve. Some very famous, some very expensive wines, but they do actually have a tasting room where they allow you to taste the wines, which is pretty unusual in Burgundy. But there are some great restaurants, particularly in Beaune and as well as uh, Nuit Saint-Georges, where you can taste the wines with some great local food which is usually quite rich. Thinking of um, Bourguignon, for example, the Pinot Noir just goes perfectly with that uh, beef which has been soaked in red wine and vegetables. So, that's been the uh, Cote de Bone. This has been Matthew, and this is Matthew's World of Wine and Drink. Thank you for listening.